Coming up now, another of our 12 pieces made by new and emerging producers from around the country for our National Features and Documentary series. Today, Melanie Dahini sheds some light on autism spectrum disorder and how we might engage with it. Hi, I'm Melanie and I'm about to get in my trusty four-wheel drive, Audrey, for a trip up the Warrego Highway out past Toowoomba to a little farm called Bellamore. Bellamore is just outside of town in the Darling Downs called Goombungee and Bellamore is a pretty special place. I was introduced to Bellamore through my horsey contacts because they do equine therapy for kids and adults with ASD or Autism Spectrum Disorder. Needless to say, more Sibelius on the pedestal. It takes about an hour to get to Bellamore, so we'll see you there. People with an autism spectrum disorder, ASD, have problems with social and communication skills and display restricted, repeated patterns of behavior, interest, or activities. Many people with ASD also have unusual ways of learning, paying attention, or reacting to sensations. In most cases, its causes are unknown. Today, 1 in 80 people are diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. Often people with ASD have difficulties in forming social bonds and feel isolated by their disability. Bellamore is a not-for-profit charity that engages with children and adults with autism through animal-assisted and other evidence-based therapies. There are many scientific-based studies that prove the positive influence that comes from human and animal interaction, HIA, and interaction with nature. Not only does HIA decrease cortisone, the stress hormone, but may contribute to OT release and oxytocin, the feel-good hormone, allowing for numerous health and brain benefit. All right, we're at Bellamore. Let's go and catch up with Trina. So I've been to Bellamore before and I've done a couple of interviews with Trina. And of course, one of the things that I asked her is how Bellamore actually started and why she did it. Bellamore originally became of existence because my son was diagnosed being on the spectrum of autism. And we moved from the city out to the farm. And one of the things that I wanted to do was research a lot of different opportunities for Kalani to actually assist him and support him. And what I actually found through a lot of my research was what is available overseas in places like America and parts of Europe is not available in Australia. And Australia is actually quite far behind the rest of the world when it comes to a lot of other therapies that are not particularly recognised as mainstream therapies and one of those was the use of equine and farm therapy as well as gardening and a number of different things, yoga, meditation. There are quite a few out there and being the person that I am I decided that Rather than get upset or disillusioned or feel even more isolated, I decided to actually get out there and create here what's already being done overseas. There's also some differences in services out here for a mother with a child with ASD. Now, what sort of gaps are there between the city and the country? 
the, the gaps are really large because being out in a rural area, you've got families, they've actually got to move from farms and they've got to move from the life that they've set up to go into larger towns like Toowoomba or big cities like Brisbane to be able to access a range of different therapies that are available. Even what we have in Australia is very limited. So if you think about that context, that it's even limited in cities and and large towns like Toowoomba, then in rural areas it's fairly much non-existent. And that is incredibly sad because a lot of the reason that we actually came out to the farm was to leave the city, was to leave all the white noise, the constant 24-hour-a-day hive and and hub of activity that cities are. So when you come out here, it's a lot more peaceful, it's a lot more quiet. Um, There's a lot less light pollution, noise pollution. There's a lot less people just works all round so when you've got families that actually establish lives and set up on farms and have to leave that and and sell up just to get better access to the limited amount of therapies out there then that that's really quite sad one of the challenges that I've perceived in doing research for this is that autism or ASD has the perception of being intellectual disability that's not the case No, it's not. It's actually a neuro difference. And this is what's really, really fascinating with a lot of the research that I've been doing lately, where they've been looking at the actual grey matter of the brain, the matter that actually covers the brain and how that varies throughout an individual's lifetime. There's been a very recent study out that actually talks about the folds of the brain, the amount of fluid around the brain can be greater with those on the spectrum as well. So one of the things that I find really, really fascinating is the the actual difference of the organ being the brain itself and this is where a lot of the studies are actually looking at and it's fascinating and I'm getting very passionate and driven about it I can tell (laughs) (laughs) Um, well it's true because you know for for so long so many families struggle with a perception of autism Mm. and a perception of Asperger's and it's just not right I know that there's a lot of doctors and there's a lot of professionals out there that still don't recognise Asperger's, even though it is now combined on the autism spectrum within the DSM-5, which is what the professionals use to, to as a diagnostic tool. There are a lot of professionals that still don't recognise it. And that is incredibly sad because the studies that they're doing, the brain imaging, etc., that they're doing is showing these differences. So they've actually, in this longitudinal study, been able to measure the difference in minute parts of a millimetre of the coverage of the grey matter of the brain and how it gets thicker and thinner over an individual's lifetime on the spectrum and how that varies to a neurotypically developed brain. That raises the question is how can you tell that someone has autism or ASD? That um, That is a question that even the experts disagree on. So Karen is the mother of two children that are Belle and War and I asked Karen and Trina what they thought about the situation when you're in a supermarket when there's a child pulling a tantrum. Is it ASD, is it Asperger's or is it just a child being naughty? It's such an individual circumstance because 
so many of our children on the spectrum, at the end of the day, they're just children. The reason for that question is, and there's that, you know, there's that old age thing, oh, they just need a good slap. How do you react to that? Do not judge at first glance. Children will be children. Children who have Asperger's or autism will still act out as children. They are no different. If they want something, they can chuck, I guess, in inverted commas, a tantrum like any other child. But deep down, in other circumstances, it could be other outside influences that are impacting their behaviour. In a shopping centre, it could be sensory overload. So it could be a, a matter of the noise, the lights and everything, that they, their world is so confusing and so loud to them that their behaviour is a reaction to their environment. Or it could be just a five-year-old child wanting to get a lolly. So again, do not judge each individual circumstance, but to be compassionate and to show empathy for everybody that you come across, whether it's a, a mother dealing with a five-year-old having a tantrum, it's still stressful that for that mother. If it's somebody who has a child with a diagnosis and it's a sensory overload and they're having a meltdown, they definitely need compassion and understanding. And to lay judgment on them is only going to exasperate their feeling of hopelessness. Until you've walked in somebody else's shoes, you should not ever look down on somebody else because you do not know the, the journey that they are walking. Karen is a mother of two children that are at Bellamore. How did you find Bellamore and what difference has it made to you personally and also to your children? We found Bellamore about, I forgot how long ago, about six months ago? No, about, I, three months. about three months. It seems a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> It, it feels like we're part of the Bellamore family now, so it's very hard to tell how long we've been coming out. <laughs> My husband is actually in the media and he was actually doing a, a story out here and we were discussing it around the dinner table and he was saying that he was going out to this farm that specialised in animal therapy to help children on the spectrum and also children who su suffered severe anxiety. And at that point in time, I'm currently homeschooling my youngest son, Ben. And I said, well, can we come along? Can we come along and see what it's all about? It'll be a great outing for Ben and we'll be able to, to see what it's all about. It'll be a learning experience. So we came along and we met Trina and we met Kat, who's the amazing volunteer here who works with the animals. And we haven't looked back. Ben immediately felt calm and at peace with the environment he connected immediately with Kat and Trina and we basically started up a conversation which lasted for several hours and really connected and that's where our you know our friendship and our you know involvement in Bellamore originated from. So how's it changed your life as a as a mother of a child or two children on the spectrum at home and I suppose when you're out here the difference that you see for both children it has two completely different outcomes for both boys I have James who's just about to turn 10 James has extreme anxiety so his anxiety comes across as being very impulsive very hyperactive very much acting before he thinks so he appears to be always on edge when he came out here the first time he immediately ran up to the horses and they shied away and tried to get away from him and immediately he was driven to work out well how can I get close to these horses because he 
has a real connection with the animals. And Kat talked about having the calming influence and slowing down the breathing. The animals are very intuitive to your feelings and to your, I guess, to your being in that time. So Jane's been motivated to to work with the animals, actually started to breathe. And for the first time in a very long time, I saw him exhale. And that's the probably the way I describe it. He exhales every time he comes out here. So he takes a deep breath and lets everything go. And for the first time in 10 years, we've seen him relax, be happy and be at peace with himself. Um, so that is the greatest influence for James is to have just the the reduction in stress in his mind. So that's going to make your life outside of Bellamore a lot less stressful? It is, definitely. At home, it definitely transfers over into home life. When he gets home, he is calmer and happy just to go off and be by himself. He doesn't need that attention 24-7 that he used to seek. He's just happier with himself. He's got this real sense of peace. So, yeah, so the the demanding behaviours, the wanting your attention and always getting into things and us always raising our voices at him is definitely reduced. So that's obviously going to make a difference as he gets older as well, as a, as his own perception of his space in the world. He's becoming more self-aware and that's the biggest thing, especially as the children grow up. When they're younger, I guess they are very much oblivious to the differences around them. As now that James is about to turn 10, he's becoming a lot more aware that he is different to other children. But he's seeing that that's okay too. Mm. Now that it's seeing that, okay, I might not be able to cope in a group situation, but I can relate one-on-one or I'm starting to learn how to relate one-on-one. And I've got strengths with animals and, you know, I get to go and do horse riding and do these amazing things that I guess other children don't get to do. So so he's seeing a lot of positives in that, but I think it's just really helping him develop his self. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to explain in, the, in that respect, but he's getting a, a sense of self-being. I spoke with James about what he thought of Bellamore. Now, how many times have you been to Bellamore, James? Yeah. So many, I don't remember. What do you get out of coming to Bellamore? Oh, it just relaxes me, it helps me calm down, helps me with my stress, quite a lot of things. I hear you're going to run Bellamore when you get older. Is that a correct assumption? Well, it's not definite, but it's my dream. So the dream is to run Bellamore. Which part of Bellamore or which part or what animals do you like the best? Oh, probably right now the puppies and maestro. Ah, yes, we've got lots of puppies. We interviewed the puppies before, but it didn't really work very well. <laughs> so so what were you like when you first came to Bellamore? Oh, I was really, really stressed. I, I wasn't thinking. I was always moving. I was like, I, I was out of control and I came here and I went out and I was like, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> we were mentioning people throughout history who have actually believed to have had Asperger's, being Mozart. We're, we were talking about Bill Gates being on the spectrum. It's very interesting because Professor Tony Atwood, who's a leading international expert on Asperger's, one of his favourite quotes, if he doesn't mind if I actually use this quote, is that 
computers were invented by people with Asperger's, for people with Asperger's, so they can communicate, so they can have a social life. I've also heard another quote that they, you know, they really do say that we would still be living in caves if it wasn't for people who think outside the square and think outside the box and are able to see the world as a much larger picture than a neurotypical brain does. For example, when the Apollo 13 was was um, coming back to Earth and they'd run out of oxygen, it really was a, a small group of um, very highly thinking, highly intelligent men who got them back down to Earth. Okay, stand by, 13. We're looking at it. They threw a box at them and said, this is what we've got. Do something and get these boys home. Now, they wouldn't have come home if it wasn't for them. We wouldn't have the advancements in technology, the medical field, the science fields, even art. Van Gogh, um, Mozart, you know, there's so many. There will always be such a spectrum of the human being Mm. and it's fantastic and it's brilliant that we're able to talk more and more and recognize more and more about the autistic spectrum where I think it can be a slightly double-edged sword is that people hear wives tales or people hear mistruths and then they relate that to people on the spectrum For instance, um, one of the latest shootings in America, the media broadcast a day or two after the shooting that, oh, he's got autism. And then there were a lot, there were a few media organisations that ran with that. And and luckily not very many. Luckily not very many. And when they did, they had to retract it. Mm. The problem is that once they put it out there into society's psyche and, and into mainstream media, there are a lot of people that then believe that. So, um, Because that's the thing too is that it's not a mental health no. issue. It's not an intellectual disability. No. Autism or ASD, which stands for Autism Spectrum Disorder. Yes. And this is, I guess, one of the key things that we're talking about is that it's neither of those two things. It's, it's a neurological disorder. Yes. And it's very complicated. Yes. And this is what you're doing research into, and especially with the equine therapy, is that it's something that's not happening anywhere else in Australia, this research project that you're about to launch No, into? no, not the particular research project that we're doing. It's actually an Australian first. So tell us a bit about the research project. Oh, the research project is exciting. Um, what we're actually doing is we're going to be measuring the stress hormone cortisol. And uh, we do know that 86% plus of children, adolescents and adults on the spectrum suffer from extreme anxiety. They also have post-traumatic stress disorder. Karen told me a little bit about what that really meant for someone or a child with ASD. James has recently started homeschooling as well, along with Ben. And what led to that was a ongoing, I guess, feeling different at school and not being accepted at school, not being catered for at school. And over time, his anxiety levels become greater and greater and greater to a point that one day he had basically a nervous breakdown at school. How old was he? He was nine. And... The sad thing is he actually loves school. Mm. He loves learning. 
He loves being involved in thinking and the teachers love him because as Trina was saying, he actually thought outside the square. So when all the other students were giving the same answer over and over again, he would come out with something completely different. But the problem with coming out with something completely different is you get laughed at. You get seen as different. You get criticised by your peers. So even though his ideas are fantastic and bright and 99% right, um, the other kids see him as being different to them. And I guess because the education is not out there to educate about differences, over time this has impacted him. The, the teasing, which led to bullying, has got to the point of he just couldn't cope anymore. So not only was he coping with Asperger's, but because of the environment that he was in, it was creating severe anxiety for him as well. So is that just this ongoing lack of understanding of what ASD and Asperger's and autism and what it is in general? So if there was actually a better understanding of how these children see the world? I think it's a combination. I think it's stressful for the children anyway because the, the world is so chaotic to them. The world is just so noisy and so foreign in so many ways that, that they just don't understand. So that causes anxiety. But there is also that outside anxiety from the, the misunderstanding. So we did actually talk about James, but you mentioned earlier that Ben's outcomes were different than James. Definitely. You were talking about, I think it was Trina before, or was it yourself saying that autism is a spectrum and that is so true when it comes to my two boys they are completely different there is a saying you know one child with autism you know one child with autism with my two boys the chalk and cheese completely different personalities so where Bellamore has helped James with anxiety Bellamore has helped Ben with self-confidence it's helped him realize that he can achieve what he sets his mind towards. So somebody who was really, I guess, hesitant in taking risks is willing to now get up on top of a horse. And that, I guess, overflows at home. Yeah. So when we go into a new environment, he goes, well, I said on my street today, I can do this. So it's definitely a self-growth in confidence for Ben. So both of those children, though, the change in the last six or three, six months, how has that changed your, I suppose, your perception of what their future is going to be like? Um, I've always had a positive outlook for their futures. I always believe that whatever happens in life happens for a purpose. And Trina and I have spoken about this. So I feel very blessed to have come across Bellamore because I think it is a key to their future. I think it's definitely going to help develop them personally in their confidence and in their abilities as well. So I have nothing but positive outlook for their future. I have no doubt in my mind that they can go and do whatever they want to do, whether that's be a train driver, be a vet. James actually wants to take over Bellamore. So yeah, I've, yeah, I don't really worry about the future. I just live every day as it is and try to, to help them grow and to become self-sufficient. I only mention that because currently, the employment for adults with ASD is only 15%. So there is a long-term benefit for organisations like Bellamore and, and other organisations without understanding with ASD. But I guess what I'm just sort of 
what we're saying is that this is the sort of thing that is not just about medication. We're not talking about, you know, Ritalin and we're not talking about that. We're actually talking about the inner growth of these children. I think getting community awareness is the greatest need at the moment. Those adults who struggle in the workforce, it may be that they answer back abruptly, but in their minds they are just being answering a question black and white. Mm. But because they don't have the social skills that their peers do, it doesn't mean that they can't do the job. It just means that society has to be more tolerant and more understanding of their differences because they are not acting the way they are to be rude. They basically live in a world that for some of them, not all of them, is very black and white. So they are very literal. But you've got, they've got to be celebrated for their strengths but not for, for, I guess, for the challenges that they bring as well. Cortisol. What is cortisol and how does that fit in with ASD and also Bellamore? Cortisol fits in because cortisol is the hormone that the body releases under stress. So when the body is flooded with stress, when the body is flooded with this particular hormone, it has short-term and long-term damage to the body. And one of the things that that we do know is when, well, we all know, when we're under high stress, we can't think properly, we don't act properly, our bodies don't work properly. So when these children, adolescents and adults are under stress all the time, that is how they live all the time. They don't know what it's like to live without stress. So what is really important to us is that we're able to measure the cortisol and part of the research project will be measuring the cortisol before they come out for an, uh, a horse session and measuring it afterwards. Yep. And ideally, we've got a, a number of things that we want to see, but what we want to see is a reduction in stress because when this body reduces the stress and when it's actually able to flush the cortisol hormone out of the body then it allows oxytocin which is our feel-good hormone to actually kick in and once the oxytocin kicks in we become clearer of thought we become more relaxed we breathe better our bodies cope better and they actually function better which means our brains are functioning better as well and once that happens then there can be quite a reduction and again it it is a huge spectrum it can be a a very minute reduction to a very large reduction in the external issues at hand so the adhd might calm down if they're stimming so for instance if they're having to click their fingers or or hit their hand on their head that's all a coping mechanism and we all do it we all do it whether it's going for that cup of coffee or that cup of tea whether it's going for that cigarette or that glass of beer at the end of the day we all have coping mechanisms which is actually a stim so you see a reduction in all of that and that's that is what we're measuring so it's really interesting because we're not just measuring the stress within the child or the adolescent or the individual with ASD, but we also are looking at the family as a whole and siblings as well. So we're looking at siblings, family and individuals in our research program. Tell me about music and ASD. Oh, music is one of those things that has a global significance 
with all human beings, whether they are on the spectrum or not. And that's why there is such a spectrum of music as well, from from very heavy metal sort of rock music, and I think there's a couple of others above that, but I'm in my middle ages and I don't really know what they are, you know, to your opera and everything else. Mm. They evoke emotion. For instance, my son Kalani, he has a couple of YouTube clips that he just absolutely adheres to and adores because they have this incredible operatic background music to them. And even though it's a really happy um, visual of the space shuttle coming back into Earth and landing on Earth, he cries because it evokes so much emotion with within his body. And it's really quite interesting because for so long we were told that people with ASD lack empathy and they lack compassion and it's actually not the case. They can actually feel up to 10 times greater than what we do. So something that's embarrassing to us is mortifying to them. So, and it's a physical pain too. They actually feel things physically. So that when there's a disagreement within a friendship base or, or a couple's base, that's when they're seen as unempathetic, but they're not. They're literally shutting down because they don't know how to respond because that's the social cues, etc. They don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing because that would just be utterly mortifying because making mistakes and being seen as having failures, again, is mortifying to them. And it hurts. It physically and utterly hurts. So music is a very, very important part. Bellamore's about coming back to humanity. It's about not just ASD awareness, not just ASD acceptance, but acceptance and awareness of each and every individual and human being in humanity. Well, that's a little bit about ASD and I hope you have further understanding of what autism and Asperger's and what it means to be on the spectrum. I would just leave you with a quote from Karen that I thought was not just about acceptance of people with autism, but about what we can do as human beings. Each one of us, every human being has a weakness and things that they need to work on. So yeah, to find their strengths and just lift them up and to celebrate who they are as individuals. This feature was made for the Community Radio Network with financial assistance from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. That was Autism and Humanity, Understanding ASD, produced by Melanie Doheny from Wild Horse FM in Queensland and heard around the country on the Community Radio Network. For more information, head along to our website, radiodococomp.org.au, radiodococomp.org.au.